the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is one minute before three o'clock. We always start when other people are ending. We we get a jump start on everybody else. Southern California Live on KKLA and KPRZ. I'm Bob Lapine on a Monday with you. Thanks for thanks for being with us. Thanks for uh, carving out some time in your day, whatever you've got going on, to be with us this afternoon. With a lot to talk about this first hour, you and me, we're together. And uh, here's where I want us to focus in, in this hour. I, I like doing this on Monday. On a Monday, I like to take a minute in the middle of a Monday afternoon and go, do I remember what I heard yesterday at church? Okay. Do you remember? Do you remember what the passage was about? Do you remember what text your pastor used? Do you remember what jumped out at you? Do you remember what the Spirit was saying to you in the midst of yesterday morning's worship service or yesterday evening's worship service? Whenever over the weekend you were in church, was there something that stood out? Here, I would like us in this first hour, I'd love to hear from as many of you as possible. Just join us and tell us what what did you hear yesterday from God's Word that really spoke to you? And, and by the way, this is an opportunity for you to give a shout out to your church, to your pastor, to uh, to just affirm the work that he is doing in your life and to share with the rest of us what it was that how God spoke to you yesterday. And and part of the reason for doing this is because it's so easy for us to get to Monday afternoon and to go, Oh yeah, what was that about yesterday? What did we talk about? What was that? What was the text? So it's good for us just to go back and remember and say, what was yesterday's message about and what was God doing? Because it's, you leave church, you go out to lunch, you get home, you watch a game, and by Sunday evening, you're on to the next thing, and whatever was stirring in your heart on Sunday morning can be doused by Sunday evening. So we're going to stir it back up again this hour, and to do that, you're going to need to join us at 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. When you call in, tell us where you go to church, tell us who your pastor is. Good shout out there. And then just tell us, here's what, here's how God spoke to my heart yesterday. Here was the passage. Here was something I hadn't thought of before. Here's something I learned about God's word. Here's the series that we're in. I'll, I'll share with you here in just a minute what uh, was kind of at the center of what I preached on yesterday at our church. But I'd love to hear from you about what your pastor preached on and what God spoke to you about in church yesterday. 888-52-TALKS is the number, 888-528-2557. You can also email us at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. A couple other things I want to talk about before we 
get to that. Just I, I think we need a little recap of some things over the weekend. So we'll uh, we'll get to that here in just a minute. Eight 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 fifty two talks is the number uh, to join us, and uh, we'll take your phone calls here in just a minute. So y- you know what happened in the Midwest this weekend. You know about the uh, about the the storms that came through. Uh, you know about the devastation and about the tornadoes and about what happened in Kentucky this weekend, especially Kentucky. Uh, when these kinds of things happen, when we face a moment like this and we look at uh, what's happening around us, it's, it's a time for us to pull back and to say, um, what do we need? What do we need to hear from the Lord? And I, I think, you know, Jesus, you remember some followers of Jesus came to him and said, uh, you know, about the disaster that happened when the pool of, or the, the tower in Siloam fell. And, and what should we make of it? What was God doing there? And Jesus said, his answer was, you need to be ready for the day when something bad may happen to you. You need to be ready for the hour of death. Uh, events like this are sobering and remind us that we need to be ready for we don't know when death is coming for us. We need to be ready for that day. But there's something else I think we need to be mindful of, and that is that um, when these things happen, this is the time for God's people to go to work, and we're seeing that start to happen. Uh, people who are pitching in, who are dropping everything, who are going to Kentucky, who are working to provide emergency relief and help and food and water and warmth for people who are hurting people who can be the hands and feet of Jesus. And there is something about these disasters that bring out God's people to do this. So uh, it, it's a, a good time for us to be prayerful, but it's also a good time for us uh, to be supporting those who are the hands and feet of Jesus in this moment. The other thing that I want us to talk about um or I want us to think about in this hour, and this was just sobering to me. Did did you see what the uh, the head of the Los Angeles Police Department Union said recently when he told people, anyone who's thinking about coming to Los Angeles, especially during the holiday season, don't. We can't guarantee your safety. It's really, really out of control. And in the midst of that, the governor decides that he's going to push for a law that would make it possible for anybody who sells an uh, an assault weapon to be sued. I'm not here to talk about gun rights. I'm just going, who who's paying attention to what's going on in our world? So there's a lot to talk about here in this hour and uh, before we take your calls, in fact, I, I, I'm, I'm going to turn our attention to something completely different here at the start of this hour. And I apologize for setting things up and then and then moving the goalpost. But we, but we have a, a guest who's able to join us in this hour, and I want to get to him. So we're going to shift the conversation a little bit. Did you hear last week about a swimmer 
in at the University of Pennsylvania who set record times in the women's swimming events. Do you hear about this? The the thing is, this swimmer, um, three years ago, this swimmer was swimming on the boys' team. But in the last two years, this swimmer has decided that he's not a boy anymore. He now identifies as a woman. He's swimming on the women's swim team, and he's breaking records. On the boys' team, he wasn't breaking any records, but on the girls' team, he's setting state records. This is the new culture of transgenderism that has broken loose in our culture. And we need to be thinking and talking about how we respond to that. And so I've asked Dr. J. Allen Branch to join us for that conversation uh, Dr. Branch is uh, he's a professor at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City. He's written a helpful book on the subject of transgenderism, and this is something that he has thought much about and spoken much about, and he is joining us. So we're going to turn our attention to this in the first hour, and, and we'll talk about what happened to church over the weekend in our second hour. Dr. Branch is with us uh, Alan, thank you for joining us on Southern California Live this afternoon. Hey, Bob. How are you guys doing out there? Well, we're good, and and we're glad to have you with us, especially yeah. as we're thinking about uh, this issue, because this is an issue that more and more as Christians, we need to figure out what is what is the right way for us to process what's going on and what's the right for, way for us to respond in this culture to what's going on. How would Jesus have us respond to right. this cultural moment, and so uh, that's why I'm glad to have you with us. Tell our listeners why this became something that um, that you got interested in, and something that you wrote a book about. Well, thanks for asking. Uh, can I just speak real quickly to the incident out there at Penn that you mentioned? Can yeah, I speak please do. Quickly? Uh, the the issue of males competing in female athletics actually puts this whole issue in a real good perspective. The basic premise of the whole transgender uh, concept is that the ideas of sex and gender are separate uh, things, and one may have the physical body of one sex, but then subjectively experience gender as another way. And uh, so this is why some of these males want to compete in uh, in female sports. But what we discover is, on average, the average male has about 50% more muscle mass than the average woman. Now, of course, there's always uh, some comparison you can make. I mean, I'm never going to have the athletic body of a Florence Griffith joiner or someone like that, a female right. like that. But what we're, the comparison for her would not be Alan Branch. The comparison for Florence Griffith joiner would be Hussein Bolt. And on average, women have 50% less muscle mass than males. And there was actually some research done in 2019. It was published in the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and metabolism. And what they found is even after one year of taking cross-sex hormones, males still had, they are, I should say, they put it this way, they only lost about 5% of their muscle volume. So they still got this huge muscle volume uh, advantage on females. And this is just a fact. 
this points to the primary differences, some of the primary differences that exist between males and females. And to, to deny these is extremely problematic. It's also uh, fascinating that some of the activists within the feminist movement even have picked up on this, and though they're by and large pro-LGBTQ, they do not want these men identifying as women participating in sports. And I would also point out that I haven't seen a case yet where a female who identifies as male wants to compete with the males. It's always the males wanting to compete with the females. Well, and honestly, something like this could wind up being a a tipping point in this whole transgender issue um, because uh, people are starting to look and go, no, wait, something is not right here. Even people who might be mildly sympathetic toward the issue of gender dysphoria and what's going on in somebody's heart, they they look at this and go, the system is being gamed and and there's there's something going on here. Well, that's right. Uh, This is not the first event like this, back in 2018 in Connecticut, there were a couple of young men that wanted to identify as women. Well, they did identify as women, and they competed in uh, several track and field events, and they really just decimated the females they were running against. And all these, for the last 45 to 50 years, all these years, we've worked so hard to increase women athletics, and hey, that's great. That's a win for all of us. It gives, yep. I have two daughters. Uh, one of them competed as a cheerleader in college, and to increase the amount of female athletics is good for our kids. My other daughter played tennis in high school, so that's a good thing. But we want to keep the uh, playing field equitable. Uh, it is interesting, though, the degree to which there is self-centeredness with this. When when people try to have discussions with the males who want to identify as females, they do not bring up, these young men that want to be females, do not bring up the disadvantage to their opponents. What they talk about is what I want to do. And this is inter- very interesting. Back when Harry Benjamin wrote his book, uh, The uh, Transsexual Phenomenon in 1966, which was the really the first real book-length uh, scientific uh, achievement in addressing these transgender issues, even Harry Benjamin talked about, and he was an endocrinologist in New York, he, he talked about how many of the folks that he were treating that he wanted to help them transition, but even he noticed a level of self-centeredness there. Uh, And again, we want to be kind to people who experience feelings that most of us have never felt. I can't imagine how disorienting it is to feel that I'm trapped in the wrong body. Many people profess this, and I don't think they're lying to me, that they have a great deal of dissonance uh, between how they feel and their body. But at the same time, we have to approach things in such a manner that is fair to everyone. And I, th- I think that's what we're looking for in a culture. How can we, as Christians in particular, we want to live in this world and we want to be respectful to other people. How do we do that in another way, or excuse me, in a way that they will hear us and understand uh, really our difference of opinion on some of these very crucial issues, but at the same time, Give us the free speech to say what we want. It's a difficult balance we're trying to strike. Dr. J. Allen Branch is joining us. Uh, He's written a book called Affirming God's Image, Addressing the Transgender Question with Science and Scripture. Um, Back 20 years ago, Dr. Branch, the the term gender dysphoria would have been listed in the the DSM, in in a doctor's manual, as a, a 
psychiatric disorder that needed to be addressed and and treated. It's no longer viewed that way in the medical profession, is it? Well, the, I think what you're getting at is between the DSM-3, the DSM-4, and the DSM-5, different terms have been used. Uh, they right. didn't use the term gender dysphoria back in the DSM-3. That's that's what's used in the DSM-5. But the the identity, the challenge which they are examining, yes, it's the same thing. And so uh, gender identity of disorders that used to be called, uh, that phrase disorder was uh, viewed as uh, stereotyping someone and putting them in the most negative light. So there was pressure within the um, American Psychiatric Chain, uh, Association to change that. And now the current term gender dysphoria, it's, it's an interesting term, and there seems to be lots of debate within the uh, mental health community about what gender dysphoria means, and I would be really interested to see what the next edition of the DSM says about it. I suspect it's going to change again. But right now, if you just go by what the DSM-5 says, not everyone who has uh, who self-identifies as transgender is dysphoric, but everyone who is dysphoric is transgender. So let me try to explain that. To be transgender uh, means that someone has a different identity between their natal sex, which they were born, and their subjective identity about how they feel regarding being uh, male and female. Well, gender dysphoria occurs when when that causes great dissonance in someone's life, and there are problems that emerge from that. So if someone hypothetically had this distance between their natal sex and then the way that uh, he or she feels, but they had processed it, they were feeling good, and life was good, that person would not necessarily be clinically diagnosed as dysphoric. I know that seems like just a fine-tooth distinction, but it actually is important. Uh, but on the street, the terms gender dysphoria and transgender are used as synonyms. I think what all these terms point to is the degree to which there has been a shift in the way people are feeling about gender. And what we see is the cases of people self-identifying as transgender are increasing, which to me, at least, that seems to be evidence that this is not an inborn trait, or at least it's not strictly an inborn trait. But there's something else at work that is motivating people, or at least causing people, to to have this level of dissonance about sex and gender. Yeah, Abigail Schreier has has pointed to this in the book that she has written about this phenomenon among teen girls who are yes. beginning to identify as transgender, and and she's saying this is a social contagion that is being That's fueled right. by YouTube and peer pressure. And to to not acknowledge that is to be blind to the reality of of how malleable we are in terms of the influence we get from other people. Right. If your listeners don't know, Schreier is a really sharp law, uh, lawyer. She has a, a JD from uh, Yale Law School. Her book, Irreversible Reversible Damage, is probably a helpful read. Christians need to know. She thinks that adult transition is okay, as best as I can determine. She says right. some very positive things about Caitlyn Jenner. And, as best as I can discern, but she points out some really uh, surprising and I think really frightening data about the number of teenage girls. And what she hones in on, which is helpful for the listening audience today, is Schreier picks up on the fact there's this whole new phenomenon in the last 10 to 15 years of teenage girls who had no prior history of childhood gender nonconformity 
suddenly out of nowhere at age 13 and 14 just saying, hey, mom, dad, I'm transgender. And you are right. She points to the YouTube influencers. And uh, listen, it's a frightening thing to be a young girl. I, I love my daughter so much. And boy, it was hard in a happy family where everything's good at times uh, navigating the adolescent years. Well, now we we live in a culture where we've highly sexualized everything. Yep. And kids with their smartphones have direct access to all these overtly sexual messages. Every song, this uh, singer, Little Nasty X, or Little Nas X, whatever he called himself, that uh, had this horrible video where he's uh, having sex with Satan in a homosexual yeah. act on the video. And then one of the major food chains in our country now has him as a spokesperson. I mean, yeah. this is absurd. And these are the sort of people being put up in front of our kids. If you're a 14-year-old girl and you suddenly get immersed in the Internet world of that sort of swill, it is going to be disorienting. And it's going to cause great grief in their hearts. And I want us to have mercy and try to point these girls toward the wholesome, the virtuous uh, ideas that we as Christians advocate about gender and sexual morality. And, and point them to the idea that God's design and God's imprint, we, we are who we are because of how God has made us. This is where uh, yeah. Carl Truman has, has pointed out, to be in oh, an age where, where somebody says, uh, I'm a man trapped in a woman's body or I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. Just the fact that we would say that and go, oh, that makes sense. That, that that's that's crazy. I, I we got to take yes. a break. I want you to respond yes, to that, but we got to take a break. I also want to invite listeners because there may be some of you who have wrestled with personal feelings of of gender confusion, where you have felt, I wonder if I am the gender that my body tells me I am. You have feelings another way. We'd love to have a conversation with you. Would love to hear from you. Maybe you have friends or relatives who are in this situation, or you have coworkers in this situation. Uh, we've got uh, time with Dr. Branch this afternoon to talk about this issue, how we respond to this issue culturally, but how we respond to it one-on-one as, as individuals in engagement with other people. Our number is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Email us at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. We'll take a time out and be back with uh, your phone calls and our guest, Dr. J. Allen Branch. You're listening to KK, or excuse me, Southern California Live on KKLA and KPRZ. Southern California Live, KKLA, KPRZ. Monday afternoon, we're talking about uh, the transgender issue with Dr. J. Allen Branch, who's written a book called Affirming God's Image, addressing the transgender question. Lines are open at 888-52-TALKS if you'd like to join us with questions or thoughts, 888-528-2557. Just before we took a break, Dr. Branch, I mentioned Carl Truman's book and and the whole question of identity and self. We're really dealing with a fundamental issue about who, who defines who we are. Is it God who defines us, or do we define ourselves? Well, you are so right, Bob, and I appreciate you saying that. But before I answer that, I need to let everyone know that the radio station was playing dire 
straight, so I was on hold for the comeback. <laughs> so it was a swing. And i got to tell you, I've been living all my life trying to find a Christian radio station that would play Dire Straits. And, I mean, I feel like uh, the post-millennialist might be right. I mean, it's just, it's getting so, better. <laughs> it's getting better. Come on, man. I mean, that leads from Shelton's a swing. Yeah, who defines identity, really? Um, and I, I think one of the things I try to do when I discuss these issues is I want to put myself in someone else's shoes. One of my favorite novels ever is To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee, and her um, her hero in the book, Atticus Finch, the brave lawyer who's standing up against racism, is talking to his daughter, Scout, one night, and she's asking him questions about the trial and what's going on, and he says to her something I've never forgotten. It's one of the best lines in any fiction book you'll ever read. He said, if you want to understand someone else, you've got to get inside their skin and walk around a little bit. So one of the things I do try to plead with my Christian brothers and sisters is to have some mercy and to put ourselves into the the shoes of someone who feels this level of dissonance. And we have no idea what events they've been through in their life. It is a fact that across the LGBTQ spectrum, that childhood sexual trauma is more common than in the uh, the general population. That does not mean the majority, but what it does mean is it's more common. common. And I want us to try to understand there's lots of reasons why someone might land in a, a particular stance. Now, that doesn't mean we just throw up our hands and suspend our moral judgment. But what we do is we try to have some mercy when we share with them and to try to make a point without making an enemy is is a great challenge. But as you said, our main message is this. Who gets to define what identity is for us? Well, from a creation perspective, this is my father's world, and he's established it in a certain way. And it's always better if you go God's way, even if that's more challenging at any particular moment. To go God's way is, is all of us who follow the Lord, though. Sometimes it's the hardest thing in the world to do. But it's still the right thing to do, and it's not only best in this life, it's best in the life to come. But secondly, when you talk about identity, we as Christians have the most affirming message in the world, and that is our identity is not in some sexual identity or or across some pansexual spectrum. Our identity is in Christ. Right. He gives us an identity. We belong to Him, and in light of that identity in Christ, who I am, I'm forgiven, I'm a new creature, I'm justified, I'm uh, declared righteous by him. In that sort of identity, whatever struggle we're facing, we can get the strength and the power and the proper perspective we can to move forward and discover God's will and life. We're talking with Dr. J. Allen Branch, author of the book, Affirming God's Image, Addressing the Transgender Question. Going to take your calls at 888-528-2557. 888 825057. Lines are open right now. LaShawn is joining us from LA. LaShawn, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello. Okay. I'll try to be because I I think that we do affirm God's word by being doers of his word. Yeah. Two, I think that you as a believer and a Christian Yes, we go different measures, and then certain things we just have to, we have to make our stand. And that mm. is, there is no 
transgender. You are either born a woman, a girl, or you are born a boy. If you have the honor to be to get both, then we will address them when that comes. Majority of these people are not born with two genitals. They are born as a female or a male. And that's where we have to stand and say, well, you know, because they can always loop around to do and jump around to, for their convenience to make, you know, to make their argument. But we must stay solid and stay fast on what God's Word says. Hmm. Like I said earlier, when I told the person, I said, wait a minute, a man, when he is trapped or a female is trapped in a female or the female's body, he gets released when he got pushed out into this beautiful world. <laughs> now, this is who God has created him to be. If he didn't be, if he was not born with a vagina, then he is a boy if he mm. has a penis. And you know, I, I think, Dr. Branch, you hear this and, and you hear the frustration. Yeah. You you look at the culture today and we do find ourselves going, something seems so crazy in our world today that we would even be asking the question, well, can men get pregnant? Can, you know, I mean, it, it does seem crazy to us. Well, I'd love for LaShawn to come visit one of our faculty meetings here. I think her frankness would really lighten up the room a lot. So I'm glad she's on our side. Uh, that's, that's good. Can I address something she brought up that actually she picked up on something we all need to listen to? And it's the question of, of what's called intersex yeah. or uh, disorders of sexual development is the term I prefer. But LaShawn's actually very sharp, and she picked up on something uh, in some of her conversations with her friends and some of her own research, and that is that some folks within the transgender community try to make an analogy between transgenderism and the condition that's popularly known as intersex. As LaShawn described it, there are some people who have ambiguous genitalia, and they are, they are born with ambiguous genitalia. Uh, it's beyond the scope of the program here today, but there's been some serious Christian thought about how to approach that. Generally, the answer is that we try to embrace the gender that is most consistent with the child's body as it's presenting. And some transgender activists has tried to say, well, aha, see, some, you're granting this as Christians. You guys are saying that, uh, that there's uh, some variable here, there's some exception to the rule with kids who have a disorder of sexual development. Isn't that true with transgenderism? And the answer is no, they're very different, and here's how they're different. The disorders of sexual development, as LaShawn said, she actually used the phrase born this way, and that's actually very observant of her. That's true. Kids with the DSD are born that way. Usually it's just a couple of base pairs in the DNA that get turned around and things don't code right and hormones and uh, prenatally kind of get turned around. And it can, but the point is, these DSDs can be objectively diagnosed by criteria observable to everyone. Mm -hmm. It's not like that with transgenderism. Transgenderism is subjective. We're basing this on someone's testimony. Uh, there's been tons of research about brain differences between heterosexuals, homosexuals, transgender people. Nothing really consistent comes out of that. You can't point to anything. Tons of, you know, people digging around in DNA trying to say, well, is there a, a, um, uh, perhaps a gene or a base pair of something that's causing transgenderism, and nothing 
uh, has been found that can point to that. So there's no objective diagnosis. And she's quite right that uh, the condition of intersex is very different from transgenderism. 888-52-TALKS is the number, 888-528-2557, or email us at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. And, and I think this is significant, and, and you make a great point. If, if somebody who you can, you can tell through their DNA that they have an X and a Y chromosome, and that's their makeup, you look at that person and you would say, okay, then we know what, what your sexual identity, what your gender identity. And, and I just use those two interchangeably, and maybe we should stop right there and just say, is there a difference between our sexual identity and our gender identity? Well, that's a real question. Wow, the, uh, I, the world would say yes. And I think if you're just talking to someone on the street, we're going to encounter people who say that. So some people will claim to be, for example, a male-to-female transgender person, and yet they will tell you, but I'm attracted to women. So their sexual identity might be at uh, some level what we would call heterosexual, mm-hmm. and yet the way they want to work out their gender identity is uh, is from a transgender perspective. But what all this tells you that we're using these sort of terms shows the way that language has shifted. And I think I would alert the listeners to the uh, the fact that it's not just about science, and it's not just the sexual revolution. Along with all this, there was a lot of shifts in language. Uh, some of your listeners have probably heard of literary deconstruction that kind of emerged out of the 60s, where authorial intent is kind of cast aside, and you, uh, from a Marxist background, language is viewed as oppressive, and it, it coerces people into identities they don't want, so you have to overturn language. So there's a lot of language games uh, go, playing around uh, in some of the uh, gender discussions that really aren't based in science, but they're really just based in an attempt to <laughs> deconstruct language, if you will. Yeah. Dr. J. Allen Branch joining us this afternoon. His book is called Affirming God's Image, Addressing the Transgender Question. We're taking your calls at 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Back with your phone calls and more on Southern California Live in just a minute. Southern California Live, KKLA and KPRZ. I'm Bob Lapine. We're talking about the whole transgender issue in our culture today with Dr. J. Allen Branch, the author of the book Affirming God's Image, Addressing the Transgender Question, taking your calls at 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Suzanne is with us on the line in orange. Suzanne, welcome to the program. Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Um, so, Doctor, I just was kind of looking for a little bit of direction. My, I have three, three children, all female. My, my youngest, who is now 16, decided a year ago that they were non-binary and wanted us to all, you know, respect the pronouns, name change, um, and so about a month ago, they brought up wanting to take male hormones and, um, you know, so I guess that means choosing, choosing a gender, but obviously that's not something we want to do at all and have told them that if you're living in our home and, you know, um, 
you have to pay for this yourself if that's something you really want. But uh, my heart is broken, you know, as a parent, as a uh, lover of Jesus. My ha- my husband can't even, you know, talk about it. And um, we're doing our best to love on our kid. And, and at the same time, allow them the space to do this, you know, crazy makeup and... They certainly didn't appreciate when I said, well, you kind of look like Alice Cooper. (laughs) (laughs) And who's that? So we're kind of, I I almost feel like we could write it off as a teenage rebellion. I'm trying this on, and that's really what I'm praying it is. Come to the next level and say, I really want these hormones. I think. I can get them for free, and a doctor, pediatrician doesn't even have to tell us about yeah. it. So. Yeah. Yeah. What, a, what a heartbreaking situation, Suzanne. And, and uh, Dr. Branch, what does a parent do in a situation like this? Well, let me say a few things. First of all, um, I think the one thing we can rejoice on, I know, Suzanne, this is a heartbreaking situation, but if we can all, you, you, she even chuckled, we can bear out hope. She knows who Alice Cooper was, so her child does know that there was better music in the 70s. So, I mean, there's, there's, we've, Satan hasn't completely won yet, and I know that Alice Cooper was kind of out there, but he's a believer now. But, yeah, that's right. Um, I'm not a therapist, and I'm not a um, psychiatrist or a psychologist, so I want to preface that by saying – I mean, my heart grieves for Suzanne, and this sounds like a sincere person doing the very best she can. I would say a couple of things to Suzanne and parents in her situation. I think one of the first messages you want to communicate to a child who says, uh, embraces an identity such as this, and she says her daughters embrace gender non-binary, is to stress to the child, first thing we want you to know, you are in a safe place in this home. We're not going to put you down. We're not going to call you names. We are not going to physically harm you. Your needs are going to be met. You have a safe place to live, a safe place where food's going to be provided for you. We're going to love you. Um, You know, if a family has family devotionals, I hope you do, and you just keep on saying, hey, listen, in our home we do family devotionals, and uh, this is wherever you're at. This is what we do, and you're going to be at family devotionals, and we have rules in our house. But we want you to know you're in a safe place. Second thing, we want you to know we love you. And uh, we are a Christian family, and we go God's way. You are going to have to be an adult someday, and you can make your own choices. The best we can do is try to set you up for success. And I, I realize I don't know exactly how you feel, but try to affirm that the feelings you are having are, are real to you now, if that makes sense. Try to affirm to the child I realize this experience is very, very real for you. What I want to try to do is get you to adulthood safely, and I want to do that, and I don't want to harm your body in the process. And because we love you, we're not going to do something to harm your body. And cross-sex hormones, uh, yeah, she, the mom mentioned, Suzanne mentioned that you know, her child knows she can get them for free. Hey, Planned Parenthood's given these things out. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm. I think what we would say is, these, you're about to do things to your body. Some of these changes are irreversible. And we don't want you to harm your body. We believe your body's good. And we want you to, our job is to get you to adulthood emotionally, mentally, physically safe. 
sometimes kids will bring up issue of suicide. In fact, the LGBTQ community will uh, frequently point to parents like us and parents like Suzanne and say, hey, you guys are actually causing suicide. Well, listen, there's a lot of things comorbid with uh, uh, trans uh, transgenderism. And what that means, the word comorbid is not a bad word. It just means things that go along with it. And, uh, one of those is often depression. And I realize that in California the laws are um, draconian. Really, everything is set up to affirm the LGBTQ agenda, and the families are shunted to the side. And so I realize it's different than uh, here in Missouri where we're at. But those three things I think are crucial. First of all, uh, you're in a safe place and no one's going to harm you here in our home. Second of all, we love you and we're going to keep loving you, but we do have rules in our house. And regardless of what you choose to do, you still, it's our home. If you're going to be here, this is, these are the rules we have. And third thing, our goal is to get you to adulthood physically and mentally safe. And we're just, as your parents, not going to do anything to harm your body. And and pray like crazy right for your kids oh yes oh yeah. my word yes i mean you're in, i i want to say something have to, and let me explain it suzanne's in spiritual warfare right now i don't mean that her daughter's demon possessed when we say that the secular world says oh yeah y'all think these kids no that's not what i'm saying hmm. what i am saying is we have no idea the insidious ways that satan can take confusion in someone's life and spin it off in a different direction. It's what we call temptation, right? We're First yep. uh, John chapter two. We're fighting the world, the flesh, and the devil. And her daughter is going through that right now. Her her daughter is under a serious attack of temptation, and Suzanne is. And Satan would love to destroy the relationship between these parents and their daughter. I think one thing I might suggest too is. Try to find some middle ground. Is there some term which I could use to address you? You know, that doesn't cause me to compromise my convictions, but at least for right now at this moment helps put you at ease. And you might be sweetie or darling or honey or something like that. I'm not advocating uh, compromise on these issues, but we do have to be careful as Christians the way the terms that we use can reinforce the behavior which uh, is is not healthy and not destructive. And I just want to stress that most kids, when they start talking about doing this, they have no idea what gender reassignment surgery is like. I mean, it's just brutal. Yeah. And they, the damages are, are quite profound. If there's any other elective surgery that had as much post-surgical or as many post-surgical complications as gender reassignment surgery, there'd be riots in the street to say in the name of God, stop it. But not this, because the spirit of the age says this is what we do. But if any of your listeners have ever had any uh, urinary tract problems, uh, you know how befuddling that can be. And, wow, you just pray to God for help. And when you finally get it straightened out, you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. With these gender reassignment surgeries, you are inviting the worst kind of problems. And I don't want to do that to someone. Yeah. Uh, Pat is on the line in Huntington Beach. Suzanne, by the way, thank you for your call. Uh, Pat, yeah, we've got about we got about sixty seconds for your comment or your question. Well, first of all, um, Suzanne, I really my heart breaks for her as well because I can't imagine having to go through these decisions with a daughter that she loved all these years, and all of yeah. a sudden this has happened. Right. But I have to tell you, I firmly believe that the teachers, schools, the media. All of them want to push this type of information on our children, and children want to belong at all costs. 
they go through a stage where they want to belong no matter what. And I feel a lot of the driving of, of uh, getting children involved in this has to do with that. They know how to play that card but against I, I, our community. I think that's a great observation, and Dr. Branch, there is a uh, there is an agenda on the part of some who really want kids to. They're, they're recruiting kids into this whole way of thinking and and living, right? And when we get back from the break, I'd love to pick up on what she said about this desire to belong, because there does seem to be among some kids the the privileged status of transgenderism, and they're not they're not ignorant to this. So the degree to which someone, if they embrace this, they then have a privileged status in certain circles, especially in their schools, I think is a major influence. Well, if you've got a few minutes that we can hold you over into the next hour, we'd love to do that and and wrap up this conversation. We've been talking this afternoon with Dr. J. Allen Branch. He is the author of the book, Affirming God's Image, Addressing the Transgender Question. Uh, And we are going to take a quick time out and uh, we'll continue in hour two of Southern California Live on KKLA. Coming up in the second hour, we're also going to talk about uh, what you heard at church yesterday where it was clear God was speaking to your own heart. I'd just like to know what what your pastor shared, what was the text of scripture. And so we're going we're gonna to do that as well in the second hour of today's program. Uh, this is Southern California Live on KKLA and KPRZ. I'm Bob Lapine, and we will be back with the second hour in just a minute. Stay with us. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 